with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold. Obviously with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch. Alan, you in the house. I'm in the house, Christopher. You know, I have to say, it is such a privilege to be working with you. And I just love the intro. And right back at you, friend. Well, right. Well, I wanted to use that one right back at you. <laughs> you got me before, and uh, I think I have to come up with something else then. So thank you, Alan. Of course, I always love doing these shows with you as well. We get the great pleasure of, you know, associating ourselves and, and, and now being influenced with other great minds out there. And, you know, the purpose was always to take all that information, all those great minds, all that influence, and put it out there to help others, our audience, and those that bump into our, you know, show out there on iTunes, Google Play, you know, all the way through social medias and everything else. But, you know, Alan, I'm having a ton of fun, and we're getting some really great feedback, and, you know, that's what I appreciate so much. So, uh, you know, to the audience out there, thanks for tuning in, you know, Bring your journals to this because when Alan introduced you to our guest today, the golden nuggets are going to just spill out. Believe me, because I already had a great conversation with this young lady, and she's amazing. She's got some really awesome stuff that she's going to share, I'm sure, and she's got some incredible things coming up. Um, actually, it's happening now. So, uh, Alan, take us away. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. You know, we we talk a lot about people's backgrounds and, and, you know, where they've come from and, and what they're doing and the kind of value that they add, that they add. And, uh, but we also, you know, we shouldn't ever forget to talk about their character. And the guest we have today has such high character and uh, such high moral fiber and is very, not only uh, transformational, but transparent in, in how she operates. And it's a privilege to have her on the show today. And I just, you know, I, I can't wait to dive into, well, one, I just love listening to her. We'll just yeah. get that right out of the way. For sure. Um, but uh, her, her history is, is great. She really is truly a transformation coach, a success coach who helps people get, well, let's just say it, unstuck. There's a lot of people out there that are stuck. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. There's a lot of product and a lot of people that will take their money, but there's not a lot of people necessarily that will really uh, tell them how and what to do to get back on track or maybe even to find a track. Uh, you know, and if you shy away from the word extra extraordinary, she'll teach you to own it proudly. Now, that is something impressive. And, you know, everybody always wants to fall in line and wants to be able to contribute and cater to the masses and, and kind of blend in. Well, in today's social media environment, it's tough to do that. It's tough to be able to, uh, to have a business and to stand out if you blend in. So being extraordinary and, uh, and finding your genius zone is something that, uh, that I think is, is not only pertinent, it's paramount. And our guest today uh, is going to be able to show you how to do that. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Susie Ramroop to the house. Susie, welcome to the podcast show. What? What? Hi. You forgot to say a London accent, so people might go, oh, my God, she's got an accent. Well, I had to, No, I, it was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Well, I hope people don't go, ouch, oh, that's odd. 
Um, do you know, the thing, thank you so much for that introduction, but I'm just still really hanging on the young lady. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Susie's in the house. Susie's in the house. Well, you are. You, you have such a young heart and just such a young soul um, that, you know, it screams out when you're talking to people. And, and I certainly had an opportunity to, uh, to experience that. And, you know, it's so funny. Um, we get introduced, uh, you know, through different um, media. And, and, you know, I forget, actually, Susie, how we got introduced. But relevant to that, it doesn't really matter. We're, you know, here now. And, and I just got such a connection with you and I know that the audience is yeah. going to have a great connection with you because you're working on some amazing oh, stuff and I, and I love what Alan said the unstuck you know back on track mm. or finding track you know their track and that's certainly what you do um, I've got a quick question though for you just to you know get right into this and um, help mm. people understand what you you know where you where you've come from and, and what your journey was because that's always a great place for our audience to understand that, you know, especially for those that may relate to your journey. But tell us a little bit about that, Susie, outside of, you know, what we, um, or what Alan provided as your bio, because I, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, sure. So um, I am probably, I, I probably have been described a certain way by people my whole life, and I didn't ever believe that it was true. And I think that came from a place of, you know, me being a really shy child. Like at the age of five, I'd come home and I'd cry to my mum. And she said, Susan, in her wonderful Irish accent, you cannot go through life being afraid of all of this stuff. She said, you're just going to have to pretend. Go in there and pretend like you are the most confident person in that school. And you know what? I think I just kept doing it to the point where I I just always thought I was faking it. I always thought I was pretending. And I can't even tell you when it was, but I suddenly thought, oh, maybe I just am confident. And I think that I attached that confidence to the things that I achieved. So if I wasn't achieving anything, I didn't really think I, I deserved to be confident. So you know, I spent my whole very successful corporate global career. I was a, a head of uh, product and service development. So I typically go into a broken situation, go, it's all right, everybody, I'm here. I'm going to rescue things. I'd inspire people to do the thing that they tried 60 times to do before and failed at. Um, or I'd just go, you know what, scrap that. We've tried it. It doesn't work. Let's just create the thing that we want to create. Let's go with a blank sheet of paper. And that blank sheet of paper used to terrify people. And I'll be honest, it terrified me, but I never let on because I was still pretending. So I'd go, it's exciting, it's blank, we haven't got anything that we're, you know, stuck in, we haven't got anything that we're bound to, there are no rules, let's create something. And I was always really inspiring and motivating in that place because the thing that I knew I could do is get people to follow me. The thing that I didn't necessarily know how to do was keep them there and deliver something at the end, but I had absolute faith that I would deliver. So, you know, when you're really successful and you earn a lot of money and you're getting a lot of accolades, it's really hard to go, but this doesn't actually make me happy. And I think it was a combination. So I was a director at 26, I think, um, and I, which is like a vice president. Um, and I think that I basically needed to break up with a boyfriend that I'd been with for 10 years. So since the first day of university, I needed to be made redundant. I was made redundant a total of four times. So I wasn't listening to any of the signs from the universe. And yeah, everything just crashed and I just broke. But I kept picking myself up, kept pretending. And it came to a point where I went freelance. And I thought, I'm going to use my skills, still not going to do what I love, but I'm going to use my skills and I'm going to earn loads of money. And at some point when it occurs to me that I love a certain thing, I'm going to spend that money on setting it up. So, you know, the truth is the reason I was excellent at marketing was because I was terrified of sales. And, you know, the reality of, of the successful portfolio for all of those companies I worked for was that sales were bringing me in to close the deal. But I never, I never had to ask for the business. And that's the thing that terrified me about starting up on my own. 
So, you know, that's kind of the background, but I got into a contracting position that I was so miserable in. I was crying every day. I would come home. I'd be in a horrible mood for my family, and they're the thing I care about the most. And I think, how can I be doing this? How can I not use my talent, like my true heartfelt talent? Why am I exercising these muscles that I've been flexing all of these years when I am not warming my heart? And I just quit. It was like an overnight, I just quit. And I decided at that point, no, the most important thing in my life is me, followed by my family, followed by all the people that I can give to. And that's my oh. story. And a good one at that. Now certainly, when you made that decision, uh, Susie, when, when was that? Like just in, a, in terms of a timeline? Couple years ago. Just a couple of years Up ago. Two years wow. ago. Amazing. So I, I trained as a coach 11 years ago. Right. And I trained as a coach because when I was that, you know, female, young director in a very male, high-tech world, um, my boss said, you know, I, I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be the, the good girl. And I was complaining to my boss that I didn't feel like I was. And he said, okay, there is some development you can do, but it doesn't involve you learning anything new. You just need to get a coach. And he gave me a coach. And it was all about her asking me what I really wanted. And I kept saying, but this hasn't got anything to do with work. And she said, that's <laughs> the point. That's the gift you've been given. You Love need that. to recognize that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I was, you know, I was expected, I thought, I, you know, I have to deliver out of this experience. You know, why is she talking right. to me about my life and my dreams, you know? Um, and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't entertained what, what it is I really wanted. I just thought I am on this trajectory professionally and in my relationship with my boyfriend, who, as it turned out, I didn't actually love anymore. But, you know, I wasn't sticking around to see how I felt about the situation. I was just trying to deliver in all areas of my life. Um, and, you know, when I got that coaching, it just changed my outlook completely. And I thought, oh, I think I'd be quite good at this. And then I, I had a couple of problem people, in inverted commas, in my team. And I thought, they need coaching. I know, I'll go and qualify, and then I can coach them. And it, so it was, it was really born out of a management-style desire that I had. And, and it just turned out to be my true vocation. Wow. So is it fair to say then, Susie, that, that it almost, your, your passion came almost through circumstance, maybe more than by desire? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think, I think when you, you know, that, that bit I was telling you about, you know, when I had to motivate people off that blank sheet of paper, I think I was enrolling those people. You know, I wasn't selling to them as I thought I was at the time. I was enrolling them. I was trying to find what for them would make sense. And actually, I think I've always done it. You know, <clears throat> whilst I was kind of people-pleasing my whole life, including when I was a child, you know, I wanted to be the child that did well at school and I wanted, didn't want to disappoint anyone. I think all of that really, it, it wasn't all, um, you know, self-effacing. It was, it was kind of me just wanting to have a great relationship with people and me trying to use the best things that I had to influence them. And, you know, my driver now is that I don't want people to go through the agony that I went through. You mm -hmm. know, I don't want them to stay stuck in the place that they're in. I want them to do something about it. Fantastic. And I think that's a, that, that's a, a big igniter for you. But I want to go back to what you said just as a, as a kind of a, a preemptive question. You talked about uh, the blank sheet of paper. And that really yeah. resonated with me because when you have a blank slate, a lot of people are scared. And I come from a, a, a background of architecture, and it's always easier to design in architecture with parameters than it is to design with no parameters. And so with that, yeah. with, with that framework in mind, when you talk with people about having a, a clean slate and trying to figure out what they're passionate about, how do you start that conversation? What do you say to, to, to ignite that, well, maybe it's creativity, or, you know, what, what is it that gets people in that zone? Well, do you know, I, I found myself saying this phrase a lot lately to a number of clients and prospective, mainly prospective clients, where I say, when are you going to stop dabbling and get committed 
to creating the life that you love. Because it's, it's easier, you know, as you've implied, it's easier to change something than it is to create something. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's generally easier to um, respond to things rather than generate things. So what I do tend to do is I weave people into a trap in the conversation where they contradict themselves. And I go, but how can you, how can you believe that and do that? And then they go, oh, oh, okay. Or, you know, today, for example, somebody said, you know, the, the problem is there's nothing that I like to do. I mean, there isn't. Honestly, there's nothing I like to do. So how can I define a life based on my passion? And within 30 seconds, he was telling me what he liked to do. And I said, so you managed somehow to come up with it. Why is that? And he, and he couldn't tell me. And I know it's because I'm creating the opportunity to do it. And, you know, like me, most of the people that come to me are already successful. But they've been hit by a curveball or three. And they're responding as best they can. And my approach is, well, just stand still. What's going to happen? They're probably not even going to hit you for a start. You know, their, their aim is not so accurate that they're going to knock you down. And actually, you're creating such a pressure situation that if it didn't did hit you, it's probably not even going to hurt the way you believe it will in your head. So sometimes I think it's good to, you know, be in that position where you, you test out all of your assumptions. So people can't fill in a blank sheet of paper because of all of the beliefs that they've got in their head that keep them stuck and all of the fears that they generate from nowhere about reasons why they can't do it. And I, I watched a film the other night, and, and there was a really fantastic quote in there. They, it said, the, the difference be, or the distance between um, your fear and what you really want is the width of an eyelash. The fact <laughs> is they are the same. You know, so when I get scared about something now, I go, brilliant, now I know what I want. Right. Whereas people think, oh, God, I'm scared of that. I can't want it then. It's completely the opposite. That means you do want it. What you really want then can be, should, maybe can and should scare you and excite you at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, I think think you've got to have a level of awareness which people get from working with me for a while. So, you know, you can't have that initial conversation and and then have this level of conversation but you know if you're in that place where you can tell the difference between terror you know it's like a physical thing it's it's that feeling in your belly and I describe it like a poppy feeling poppy feeling is excitement grippy feeling is terror and for me the grippy feeling is only supported by something you've never done before so the minute you do it, it turns into the poppy feeling. I love that. That's a great like way that. to look at it. Yeah, yeah for it sure. You know, listen, I, I've been obviously journaling myself, and you know, I'm going to give it a little reminder to our audience to uh, get your notepad out and, um, or your you know, book and uh, make some of these notes to yourself and ask good questions. You, know, you made a point about you know, what a good coach uh, does for you know, for people, and I want to reiterate it, you know, because I do coach people as well, and I know Alan does. And your good coaches will ask you always good questions. And I find when people have an opportunity to ponder, think, and give them t- themselves some time, they always know the answers. And that's the good thing, yeah. you know, for our audience is that you already know what's best for you. And Susie, I love what you opened up with in terms of, you know, what you focus on. First, you focus on making yourself feel great. Even though you have a family and you have all the most important things in your life that you need to give, um, you know, your your best forward, you focus on the only way that you know how to do that is making yourself, you know, feel good and then you can help other circumstances or better yet your family and your friends and your, your obviously your clients. But I love what you just uh, said, and good coaches ask good questions. So, you know, what I'm interested to know is, um, you know, how you walk the talk. You know, you're a transformational Mm. success coach, and obviously, you know, for a lot of people out there that consult, coach, uh, guide people, we've gone through things. Therefore, we have an opportunity to know firsthand on how to get through it and that's the key getting through it so we actually have to walk all the things that are you know 
our clients or our customers or whatever use uh, or go through. And, um, you know, tell us about yours and, 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 and how that role has changed your life. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I am invested in my business at the moment. I'm giving a lot of time to it. And I, so I'm seeing friends periodically, typically like set periods of time apart. And every friend that sees me says, wow, the change in you is amazing. And they're not talking about, you know, my fundamental character or my personality, but my attitude. Mm. And coming back to what you just said, you know, if you love yourself first, everything that you give is going to be better. Mm. So, you know, everything, and, and, you know, there's this kind of negative connotation about being selfish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's really, it's just being connected to who you are why you're here, you know, and, and, and I'm a bit kind of twitchy. It sends me into a bit of a spasm facially when people use jargon, um, you know, like authentic, for example. But, you know, I'm really, really focused on people being them. So I'll give you an example. I, I have a friend who has been diagnosed with a high diabetic risk. And she started out our lunch date talking about food, worried about food. What's she going to eat? Oh, food. Weight loss, food, food, food. She constantly focused on it. I should eat this. I shouldn't eat this. Do you think this will be better for me? And I said, I said, stop. I said, all I'm hearing is rules. Rules that are applying huge amounts of pressure to you. Rules that are putting you into this overwhelm to the point where you're not even going to enjoy what you eat and you're going to probably be hungry afterwards because you just, you're not in a grateful place. I said, just eat what you love until you don't love it anymore. And it took her a while to get it. In fact, it probably took the whole lunch <laughs> to sink in. <laughs> but I've got this thing about, you know, you don't have to ha- set a whole load of boundaries and rules for yourself. You just have to stay connected to what you love and when you're not loving it anymore. So, you know, for example, a bar of chocolate. I'm going to love the first three squares. I'm probably going to really like the next three. And probably the next five, my, my senses won't even be reacting. And then I'll kick into, I feel sick. And then I'll click, kick into, well, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. And then I'll kick into, why do I always do that? I'm such a bad person. Da, 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 da. All because we didn't just stop at love. And so my, my kind of practice and my walking the walk and what I demonstrate to people is I don't do things I don't love. And, you know, some people might judge that as selfish, but when you see the effect it has on me and my life and what I'm giving out to the world, it's really hard to argue with. And, and I like to, you know, I test these things out. So I would never say this unless I'd been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it removes that end of the chain. You know, it removes that thing where you beat yourself up for the thing that you know you shouldn't have done. It removes the negative self-talk that precedes that moment. It takes away stuff that depletes you, and it and it kind of just raises the bar on your whole life. You know, you can apply it to wine. You can apply it to um, media types that you use when you're in a small business. You know, you can choose the social media that you like. You don't have to do the one that you don't, because if you're doing that, you're not doing it well. So just do the things that you love, and when you don't love it anymore, stop. You know, they say the only uh, real emotion is love. Everything else is, you know, yeah. ego-based, ego um, you know, from a self yeah. versus um, what I call, you know, the one that is in charge of most people's lives. But, um, mm. you know, you, you mentioned something, and, and first of all, I want to I do a shout-out because I, I think it's important, and, and, you know, I certainly have so many notes, and I'm sure the audience is really, you know, paying attention here. Check out SusieRamroop.com. I'll spell it out, S-U-S-I-E. R-A-M-R-O-O-P dot com because you have to connect with her. She's amazing. She's got some great tips right now, but she also has, uh, you know, get, you can get weekly tips from, from Susie and, and, and get some coaching uh, by email, and, and I think that's great. But obviously, if you do a deep dive, um, you know, you'll get even more, I'm sure, and she's got some really cool things at her website. So I just wanted to do a quick shout-out on that. Um, before we move on, Alan, I know you've got something uh, that you're uh, you're ready to uh, dive into. 
I do. I and and Suzy, I, I love your analogy of the chocolate bar. I think Me that's too. fantastic. Mm. I, I, I and I, this this is truly a, a selfish question uh, because I <laughs> I struggle with this. I think sometimes you talked about the the levels and and the first three bites are things that you love and then other things kick in maybe it's obligation yeah. maybe it's pressure maybe it's habit uh maybe it's uh you know sense of not wanting to to lose something or not wanting to waste something how do we stop after those three bites what do we put in our mind? What do we put in our habits? That is, is it a matter of just we're fulfilled at that point? I mean, we move on to the next thing that will fulfill us, whatever it might be, serving others, doing something for somebody else, maybe doing something for ourselves and our family again. How do we stop at that third bite? So I, and this is why I started testing it, because I used to say, oh, I'm only going to have, you know, I'm only going to have three. And actually answering that question in the traditional way will just create another rule for you that will put your focus on what you can't have rather than what you can. Right, and I think when that's the biggest struggle yourself, a lot of people have. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I just think when you value yourself, I said this in an interview really recently with a fellow coach who has a cake control problem. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, now, for example, I, I totally get what you're saying, Alan. You know, I'll order a slab of cake and I'll leave half of it. And people's natural reaction, the way they're conditioned to observe and um, judge, actually, is, are you going to leave that? Hmm. Aren't you going to eat that? And that comes from a place of, you know, my, my dad, for example, he's, he's a very old-fashioned West Indian man. Love him to bits, but he's very strict, full of rules. That's how I was brought up. And he would reference, you know, Biafra and starving children if I left something on my plate. Mm -hmm. So I was really disconnected to, you know, portion control. And, you know, and, and really this isn't about that and it's not about diets. It's just about what, do you, what are you enjoying? And I'm all about just joy. I don't care about things that don't bring me joy. I won't allow them. Actually, that's the stage I've got to. I won't allow them into my life. So given that the number one thing I care about is me, the number one person I love is me, if I love myself, why would I put stuff in my body that I don't actually like? Hmm. So, so, you know, I don't want to eat diet food. I don't want to be on a diet. I don't want to be thinking about, oh, well, I've had two glasses of wine. I'd better not have another one. Just, if I'm enjoying it, I'll have it. But I know for sure, because I have been testing this for months now, you don't enjoy it. You just don't. So when you take your next bar of chocolate and ask yourself, did I enjoy that? You will love the first one and the second and the third. Guaranteed. Somewhere between the fourth and the seventh, you'll lose interest. You'll wow. lose that, oh, that tastes good feeling. And, you know, we're really talking about the metaphorical bar of chocolate here, right? You know, this sure, could right, be anything right. in life. Right. Sure. Um, it could be, you know, for example, I detest supermarket shopping. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that you do. It's traditionally done by the mother in the house. And I just said one day, I said, you know, this makes me so miserable going to the supermarket, thinking about what I'm going to get in the supermarket, coming back from the supermarket, having forgotten something. Exactly what I've said there is this chain of events that I described with the chocolate bar, except that it didn't start with love at the beginning. <laughs> so that, you know, there's nothing in that scenario that makes me happy. So I just got rid of it. I just said, "Hun, can you just do that for me? And, and if there's anything else you hate, please give it to me. But I don't want to do that. Is that okay? That and, you is, know, I uh, really encourage people to do that because not everybody loves the same stuff, you know. Like, he can't stand doing the ironing. And I go, well, I'll pay someone to do that then. <laughs> yeah, I actually like it, but I'll pay someone to do that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I could iron all day. I'd be quite happy. But you know what? That's probably not true either. I could probably iron four things and I love it, and then I carry on for five. Then all of a sudden it's turned into a thing I don't enjoy. That is sad. Uh... You know, I'm being, I'm being kind of flippant now, but, but that's the point. <laughs> no, Everything but you're being turned very into something. Yes, very yeah, consistent. Everything you're turns into a burden. Right. 
Yeah, right. because there comes there, there's that line of demarcation between, like you said, joy and and I, I guess I'll say obligation. Like with the cake, the obligation to finish it. Or if you're working on a project and uh, there's a team of people and you you help come up with the idea, let their strengths then carry the idea into fruition. If that's not where your joy is, find somebody that can do yeah. that piece that you that you maybe don't have the joy in. And I think that's all you know something a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, which is a lot of the, our, a lot of our audiences. They feel they have to carry that burden of doing everything, and collaboration yeah. is only left to those that have you know tremendous you know visible success. And that's really not true. Mm-hmm. You should surround yourself with people that love to do the things you know that that you're either not good at or don't like to do. But you know, I just think imagine the whole world operated this way. If everybody did the thing that they love, no one would do the thing that they don't love. There would be no anger in the world. There'd be no resentment in the world. There'd be no enemies in the world. I mean, you know, I'm being kind of well. There'd be no talk with, show with hosts my alls and my nose. But you know, the people. If people were genuinely happy, right? Because they were doing things consistently that brought them joy, then all the other stuff wouldn't need to exist. Everyone would be in the right place at the right time for them. And it would work harmoniously. That's my dream picture anyway. I like it. And um, I, I think of often the same things. Now, you talk about the grocery store and, you know, I, I very much, you know, for some people, they have to go and they still don't like it. And I'll give you a, you know, I was in that boat, but I'll, I'll give you something I've done just to give another perspective on things is that um, I put on my headphones and the opportunity for me to go to the grocery store does a couple of things. And I've done lots of business at the grocery store. Um, Alan can contest to that. And, Indeed. <laughs> uh, and also... Story for a different um, day, but yes. <laughs> yes, story for a different day. Uh, how to uh, close business at the grocery store. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what I worked on was um, I love just binaural beats and, and having uh, some really great sounds. And for yeah. me, escaping, you know, for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, even to a grocery store, something I don't enjoy, is that I put on my earphones, um, I pretty much disappear in the grocery store in my own, you know, world, and it's almost as if no one else exists. I just pick up the things I need, I'm, you know, really flowing, and, you know, within that time frame, I'm done, I'm out the door, and I just got what really was important to my life to calm things, meditative, um, you know, a bit of hypnosis if you want. And it was just an incredible experience that I turned it into because of the things I didn't really like. So, again, just giving you another perspective on the grocery store. I'm sure people can, you know, uh, take both and, and do something about it. But I want to get into something you, you, you said, and, and we talk about love. Um, and then since we're on that uh, subject, what's the one thing you would uh, advise people to do to create, you know, a life of love or something that they love. Can you give us our, you know, our audience, um, you know, your viewpoint on that? I would say, and it's probably not the answer you're all expecting, take responsibility. Mm. So some people say, you know, they, they see, because it's not, Self-love is getting a bit fashionable now, which is good. But some people think of love as something that they must receive from other people. Right. And actually, um, you need to give it to yourself. So you need to take responsibility for receiving it from you. So you've got complete ownership of it. You're not expecting other people to do it. So, you know, when you want love from someone else and you don't get it, that just creates disharmony when you are um, being really mean to yourself with your negative self-talk that's your that's what you're doing you're doing that to yourself so take responsibility and if you are the person you love the most in the world and you are taking responsibility for giving that person love it kind of forces you to be nice And actually, you know, when you when you tap in, and again, it comes back to that level of awareness thing that people may not have right now, but this is what I pride myself on. You know, when I work with people, they get to a point where they think about themselves first. You know, I had a client recently who um, she came to me. I've known her a long time. She came to me like a brick wall. She was like a, a vault, and she 
was constantly going around solving everybody else's problem. Not everybody else's problem, but, you know, selectively, she would make it her business to go and, and kind of fix them. And, and I thought, oh, actually, yeah, that, that was probably me, you know, from a good place. I was a fixer, and I thought maybe that's what people needed. But I didn't love myself at the time. So that didn't come across in a loving way. That came across probably, ultimately helpful, but a bit interfering probably. And I said, you're going around helping all of these people. When are you going to help you? And she couldn't even fathom what it was I was saying. And I built her up really, really gently, like I asked her, how quickly do you get home after you finish work? Well, what do you mean? I go straight away. I said, yeah, but how quickly do you walk? She said, well, I suppose quite quickly. I said, yeah, why are you walking so quickly? And she, she realized she had this assumption that she was being needed and she had to go. So I started her taking slower steps. That was the first step. Then I said, hang into a shop on the way home. Then she stretched to having a coffee on the way home. Then she stretched to going to the cinema on her way home. And now this person that never spent any time with herself, so didn't, just didn't make the space in her life to even grow to like herself, let alone love herself, has suddenly become quite selfish in a wonderful way, where she just thinks for a moment before she commits to something. You know, we're, we're all in that people-pleasing habit of saying, oh, well, I've been asked, so I ought to go. And, Alan, it's a bit like the cake scenario, when, you know, if someone else has bought that cake, that's even worse, because then you feel compelled to eat that cake. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really striving for is that everyone I come into contact with puts themselves first. Because guaranteed, I've tested this and I've seen it in hundreds of my clients, the more you love yourself, the more effective your love is to everybody else. So those people that want to go around fixing people and giving to people and they don't put themselves first, that's never going to be as, oh, what's the word, as warm, as fluid, as, I really don't want to use the word authentic, but, you know, it, it, as just true to their core as it could be. And, you know, that will, those people that go out and do that will eventually get resentful because somebody isn't doing it for them, and the person that should be doing it for them is them. That is so, so true. Responsibility. For sure, and responsibility is such an important aspect, you know, to all things in yeah. life. In fact, um, you know, part of my book, I, I, I dive deep on responsibility, but, you know, you reminded me of something that I learned at a young age, um, you know, just reaching out and finding a mentor, or a coach, someone, you know, was larger than life at the time, I thought, um, but, you know, he puts his pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time, <laughs> you know, and I certainly had to learn that over time, and uh, I got a chance to sit with him, but Brian Tracy was a tremendous, uh, you know, mentor early in my life, where he, you know, yeah. taught, um, you know, to look in the mirror, and use the words, I like myself, I like myself, and, you know, it felt, and, and eventually it turns into, I love myself, but, you know, he started off that way, and I remember looking in the mirror and feeling really quirky about it and, and, and uncomfortable. And mm. over time, it just became natural. And in fact, I don't know, for years, I, I look in the mirror just to give you a little sneak peek into what I do on a daily basis or anytime I look into a mirror. But it is that, you know, love and, and, and it does translate into the rest of your world. Um, and the minute that I don't give that gratitude is, you know, when I, when I, when I do feel, you know, the doubts and fears and all the other um, things that, you know, can creep in. So you have to constantly work on this stuff. And I do, and I know everybody on this call does, um, because we understood yeah. this stuff a long time ago. So thanks for sharing that. That was that was uh, just a great reminder. Can I just tell and you a little story? Absolutely. Sure. The the my four year old daughter said to me the other day, "Oh, Mama, I love the way you just smiled at yourself in the mirror." <laughs> and I thought, "Wow." Wow. Now Observing. some people would think, "Gosh, she's." She's so vain. Actually, no. I, I thought, oh, wow, she's seen that. She's right. recognized it. And more importantly, I hadn't realized I'd done it. But, you know, that's just a really, really important thing about the mirror as well. You know, the mirror is not there to reflect all the things that are wrong with you. Right. 
the mirror is there to check yourself out and go, you are good. You are good enough. You are lovable enough. You have success within you. You just have to strip away a few of the layers and make the space to own it. Super. I love it. I love that analogy, and just I, I just want to make sure that the, the the people on the in the audience are understanding that you know we're not talking about self gratification. We're talking about self respect, and right. you know there's, there's, yeah. there's a big difference there. And uh, you know it's sometimes it, that line of demarcation is is very clear, and and sometimes it's not. But loving yourself um, first. Is it, you're you're right. It's totally paramount, and uh, along with that, that being the first thing, I want to I want to kind of dive into something real quick here for a moment. That is uh, the opposite of that. Is what what are you seeing in the industry, in the coaching consulting marketplace, if you will, that maybe we should try to see less of or do less of. Uh, so that we have to, we have less to have to overcome in order to get on the game. What are you noticing in the industry that you think we should? Oh, you know, I I get up? a bit uh, critical <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> if I'm honest. So, so I, you know, as I said before, I walked the walk. I, you know, I don't just talk it. I I have lived it, and I test everything myself before I advocate anyone doing anything. And, you know, as you said in my intro, I'm completely transparent. So, you know, I never sell this journey as an easy one. And it kind of frustrates me that in the marketplace that there are all these people saying, do this in three months and change your life in 90 days. And I think you're not going to change your life in 90 days. You might just about get to know who you are in that time. Right. And I kind of think it just adds to the problem. You know, it adds to that problem that we've already got because we've been conditioned in, in our parents' age and we've been conditioned by, you know, working within the, the rule set of a corporation. You know, most of us have started that way. We don't need more of that. So, you know, being given a, a step-by-step model and, you know, just follow this and get this result and these de- within this time frame, and I think, yeah, you probably will get those results, but you're still going to be the same person. And actually, what I'm talking about is complete transformation. You're still going to be the person with issues at the end of that program. I don't want you to have any issues. I want you to just be embracing who you are, loving every minute of what you do, and when you have a little lull, which, you know, don't get me wrong, I have, you know to get yourself out of that. And I feel that those programs, they're not equipping people with the tools to be able to do that for themselves. So, you know, then they end up upselling them into another program. And I just, I have a real problem with that because I am here to give what I have to people that are willing to invest in themselves and, and a different life. That, you know, they do want that blank sheet of paper that is unboundaried and that they could put anything they want on. But the bottom line is because of that conditioning, we don't know what to put on the paper. We haven't got a clue what to put on the paper. I didn't know what I wanted to put on the paper, but I knew that what was on the paper needed to somehow come off. (laughs) 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 You know, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that's why I got help. Because, you know, without someone who's, who's... only focus is you you know you will never get to a place of self-love without someone doing it for you and being with you in that journey first and you know going on to to one of these kind of online programs that teaches you this stuff i just i just don't think most people are conditioned to learn that way and those things give coaching a bad name because then they go well i've tried loads of programs and i think well you know i kind of get that and, and unfortunately for me, I have to try and explain that to a number of people I talk to and, you know, explain to them why it's going to take time. So, you know, it'd be easy for me on paper to sell, you know, quick, fast, cheap. But that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to fundamentally change people's lives. Being in that business means you, you don't have a clock. You know, you're not running off a template because each person is different. And so... Yeah, that's what kind of frustrates me about the industry, and that's why I remain passionate and loyal to what I believe for coaching. 
That is a good point. And, you know, again, um, timelines for me, you know, and, and, and if I can throw out what I'd like to see less of, it, as I would agree, because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, talk about setting goals, you know, you can get this in such a time frame. You know, I found that less specific actually was a better way because a lot of times where people hit a wall is they put a time frame and when it doesn't happen, they desert and they leave yeah. and they don't go any further. They tell everybody that it didn't work. Um, they convince mm -hmm. themselves that um, they can't get what they really want. And instead of knowing unequivocally, having a belief system, feeling confident that it will happen, the people, places, events, circumstances will come together. If I have to take a left or I've got to take a right, I'll get there and I know I'll get there. And when it does happen to me, I'll have what I want. And whether it takes 90 days or, you know, 90 months, the fact is that eventually you'll get to that one place because the time is going to pass by anyway. And I think that that is a roadblock that a lot of people fall into or face, I should say, um, is that they put a time frame on it. And, you know, I always give a buffer. It's always good to have action and, you know, always work towards things. Give yourself a little Activated. bit of a buffer and know that yeah. if it doesn't happen on that moment in time, that's okay. Um, add a 50% yeah. more time and you'll probably get a little closer to it at that point and know that you can pivot and, and, and be flexible. This is really important information, you know, especially, again, for our audience this is something that you can, you know, listen to again because Susie made a very, very good point and a, and, a, and a real important point. And I love the fact that you know exactly what you're doing out there, Susie, and you're helping people with that transformation. Amazing, amazing. You know, these shows, um, they happen so quick, so quick. Alan, how many pages uh, have you written? Because I certainly have a lot on, on, my, uh, on my side. <laughs> Well, I've got three so far. So yeah, I love it. I love it. I Only love it. Three? Well, clearly, clearly, I could have done a better job today. <laughs> no, he's very, he's very, he fills every line. I'm more the uh, the guy that spreads out um, everything and has all kinds of doodles and all kinds of things on my page. So I fill out uh, lots of pages, but it's not necessarily the most efficient, um, you know. But in my own mind, it works for me, and that's what I do. But yeah, um, good. we well, certainly, so, Alan, what you've got to do is when you read that back. Stop reading when you don't love it anymore. <laughs> I love it. Just to, just to stay in sync. Um, Alan, we have some time, though, and, and I know there's um, you know something we can cap off uh, before we get into the rapid, bold insight that I always like to ask our guests, and then you know, oh. we'll come back, and Alan will, 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 will finish her off. But let's, uh, let's squeeze in something else, Alan. What, what else do you have for Susie? Yeah, I've got another. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And then a question that Susie, I really like your perspective on, and I don't know how to title it, and I don't know uh, exactly how to qualify it. But when it, when people make a lot of a lot of a lot of goals, and regardless of the time frames that they put on them, when they reach them, they move on to something else. And I think they miss out on what I call the nirvana uh, zone, and that is what happens or what's created, what transpires, uh, what's developed if that energy is given to that goal just a little bit more what else can be created beyond the expectation and i think there's a lot of folks out there that when they reach a goal they move on to another goal because they're so set on reaching the goal the joy is in reaching the goal and not in what can come from the goal so mm -hmm. i i guess my question to you is in your in your coaching uh, of people and and setting goals and and having this transformation do you work on what happens after they reach the goal yeah so so again the the whole nature of goals so i what i want to see is a complete change in people and Typically, when they're focused on the goal, their, their rule system kicks in and they start thinking, yeah, well, I haven't got there quick enough, and well, well, even when I get there, well, it's not quite how I wanted to get there. And everything's kind of this, you know, uh, this school report, if you will. And actually, when I'm coaching people, I force upon them 
my biggest learning point throughout my entire journey, which has been not in the achievement of the goals, but the staying in the space. And so, you know, what I encourage people to do is strip away. First thing we do, strip away. With that stripping away, forces self-awareness because you have to get rid of that stuff that just takes your energy away. It doesn't bring you any joy at all. You know, get rid of all that first. And then people want to fill it up. They just want to fill it up again. So they'll come to me going, I'm overwhelmed and I'm tired and I haven't got any time to do anything. And the minute I give them that, they want to fill it up again. So I don't let them. I let them sit in empty space, you know, metaphorically or, or literal, sit in the space. Because with that space comes the clarity that you talked about earlier, Chris. And without that, you will never truly transform because you won't have the space in which to listen to what you really need and get in touch with what you really love and what you really enjoy. And until you do that, whatever you create in the future is not going to fulfill you. It's just going to be like a job. It's just going to be like a corporate goal that you have to hit for your, you know, your annual appraisal. Yeah, and actually, ergo, there's no joy in it. Right. Yeah. Wow. So Susie, you are incredible. And I would... I gather to believe that the audience is, you know, um, is feeling the same way. You've got so much to share, so much, um, you know, again, you, you, you test things, you walk the talk, you're just a, an incredible inspiration. So I want to thank you. And uh, again, before we get into the rapid, bold insight... Will you come back on? Will you come back on the show later uh, later this year, early next year, Susan? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Maybe Definitely. maybe next week. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, I'll week. come every week if you like. <laughs> All right, we have a we we have Susie joining the Think Bold Be Bold uh, host. I love it. I love it. And um, you're certainly <laughs> welcome back anytime. And and you know, in fact, oh, Alan, why don't we throw this out here? Why don't okay. we have Susie? come and uh and 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 joint host with us um we've got some you know pretty incredible people coming on why don't we uh why don't we just stir things up and uh since susie's been so amazing and and obviously has uh really great things and great questions why don't we have her come back on on the show and host with us i think that's great susie would you like to do that now that we've kind of almost made it all you might have to gag me though (laughs) i might talk too much no that that's all good (laughs) Hey, listen, uh, ready? Let's let's get into this rapid bold insight, Susie. This is mm. going to go fast. You can just tell some quick, quick, quick responses here. Okay. What book do you recommend that you may be currently reading? Heal Your Life, Louise Hay. Uh, I love it. I actually love that book, and and I put it in my book uh, as recommended reading. So thank you for. Can I also just say that for men, yes. some men think they can't quite get it straight away so for the men I'm I'm not being sexist I'm just experiencing this (laughs) the power of focus ah good point Jack Canfield Mark Victor Hansen and I love that and and my and I would agree that you know men love that word power anyway so uh what Mm, (laughs) what yeah for sure it is Uh, what do you do for fun in nature I love that that's a good one mm-hmm. you and I share so much alike uh, what one piece of technology has helped your business the most Susie my husband's phone I love it never heard that one <laughs> never heard that one before that's awesome <laughs> well, he, he doesn't trust me to have a nice one because I have a bit of a tendency to drop them in water. So he doesn't let me have a nice one. So now I, I understand. What, kind, what, what kind of phone does he have? Oh, a sexy Samsung thing. There you go. I love that. You don't even know, but you know you love it. Um, so there you go, folks. Um, it's a sexy Samsung thing. Samsung thing. You can go get one at the store nearest you. <laughs> what quote has had the most impact on you? Oh, blimey. I, do you know I'm terrible at remembering things? All good. We can come back. We, we can come back yeah, to it. Or come back to that. All good, and maybe what you can do is post it on Twitter later and tell everybody. How about that? Um, yeah, what yeah, is your that. next bold 
move? Well, I'm doing it now, actually. So um, today, actually, I launched an interview series for people like us. So, you know, it's an Olympic summer, and I love sport. I get completely immersed in it. And I did it because I am really successful. I have those, I have those genes. However, in certain scenarios, I go to pieces. Well, one, really, which is in a tennis match. Always. Mindset goes out the window. Um, and I really wanted to understand why is that and, and what am I doing wrong and how can I sort this situation out because I want to be a confident tennis player. I have the ability, I just don't have something else. So I went on this kind of research project, which you are a part of, and I asked psychologists and coaches and athletes and performers to tell me what do they do to switch on their peak performance when they need it the most. So, you know, it's undeniable that people will be, you know, backstage or in the locker room pacing up and down. With <laughs> That's nerves. true. Undeniable, big occasion stuff. But what do they do? What are their tips? How do they sort that out? How do they just turn it on? And um, so I've been interviewing people to find the answers, and that launched today, and people can sign up and listen to those interviews. It's going to go on throughout the Olympics. Awesome. So come and find the answer and apply it to your life. Okay, so we'll post this as well, um, obviously, for today's show. Uh, Susie, where can they go and, and, and just quickly um, uh, register for that? They can go to thehighperformingmind.co.uk. Love it. We'll make sure we post that. Uh, this, you know, again, the show goes quickly, and I just want to remind the audience, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. And, you know, listening to our show, you guys are amazing. You always post some great questions and comments, and, and, and the, the reviews have been, you know, fantastic. If you have anything you want to obviously connect with Alan and I on or ask some questions directly, info at thinkboldbebold.com. Just email us. We'll be sure to uh, connect. And uh, Alan, it's that time. It's that time, my friend. I know. Unfortunately, I, I, I like listening and I like writing, especially when it's not coming from me. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, Susie, for all your wisdom. But I want to hang on that thank for just you. a second. Well, you, are, you are indeed most welcome. We'd like to round out the, uh, the show with uh, a, a bit of, of uh, one type of wisdom that you can leave our audience with, something that they can do and implement right now, today, immediately, that uh, maybe they hadn't had before. Now, this could be something you already talked about, or this could be something you have in your back pocket, or this could be something maybe that just popped into your head. But what one bold move would you like to leave with the audience today before we, before we end our time together? Pick the person you most look up to and write down one belief that they must have to mm. have gotten where they are. Wow. Wow. like that one. Cool. I like it. That is powerful. Susie's always a pleasure. I thought of a quote. <laughs> I thought of a quote. Can I you give thought it? of the quote. Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Yeah. I got this from a program, and it's about acting. But, you know, when I say actor, put in anything you like. Contrary to what you might think, failure is not the opposite of success, but a fundamental part of the creative process and an essential part of every actor's story. Perfect. Beautiful. Mm. I love that. Kind of reflects what we've been talking about today. Absolutely. Like, you know, without that, you, you, you've got to, you need it to propel you forward. Most definitely. Susie, it's always a pleasure. You're amazing. Thank you, Alan. guys. Can I do a shout-out for you, Chris, as well, for your new book? Well, of Which course. is amazing. Everybody, <laughs> go and buy it if you haven't already. I appreciate that. I really do. And coming from you means a lot. And, um, Alan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. You're, uh, you're spectacular. You always uh, make me feel good every day, and that's why we connect every day. So thank you, sir. You are most welcome. And, Chris, I have to, have to reiterate, you know, it's not – it is a real pleasure to to find someone and work with someone that not only do you do you connect with, but that uh, will uh, pull out of you your own genius and together create something that that didn't exist. And and you know that may sound simple, but it it's it's been a journey, but it's been an indeed privilege. 
And uh, so thank you. And uh, Susie, thank you so much for giving your time. I know there's a big time change difference. You're, uh, you know, on the mm -hmm. other side of the okay. world. We, we, we appreciate uh, you, you coming on and, and offering up your, your wisdom and your genius and, in a very transparent and authentic way. I know you don't, I know that that word's challenging <laughs> for you, but, but, I, but I don't mean it that way. No, it's okay. I mean it's okay. In a really, really respectful <laughs> way. But uh, we, we very much appreciate you being on the show. We do hope you come back. But uh, thank you for giving, um, giving us your time today. Thank you, guys. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And you do such a wonderful job of just making people feel welcome and getting the best out of them. So, you know, you should take credit for that, too. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. We'll and, do. And, and we appreciate that. Thank you to the audience. You guys, uh, again, um, we really appreciate uh, you guys specifically um, and can't wait to uh, bring some more great guests on. So stay tuned. Uh, on that note, wouldn't be a show without me saying do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.